three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 438. Welcome in. It's one of those special episodes. I am breaking down episodes six and seven of Tom Brady's docuseries, Man in the Arena. And, uh, you know, I'm actually going to go in reverse order. I'm going to start with episode seven and then talk about episode six. I actually did not like episode six. I did not record an episode, a standalone episode for the sixth episode of this docuseries because I didn't like it. And I don't want to start that way. That feels really negative, And I can explain that at the end if you want to hear that. But I want to start with episode seven because this is so Tom Brady's one of my not only one of my favorite athletes in the world, he's one of the most inspirational people in my life. I've never met Tom Brady, uh, but his approach to life and work ethic, you know, there are two people that really, really heavily influenced me as a, as a child, Tom Brady and Tim Tebow. I remember Tim Tebow, his coach um, at Nice High School once said, you know, Timmy's the kind of guy you got to pull the reins back on. You're never going to have to tell Tim Tebow to slow down. You're going to have to make sure Tim Tebow's actually getting rest and taking care of himself. And, you know, <laughs> I, it's kind of perfect. I, I actually have not slept. It is, what time is it now? It is almost 3.30 p.m. on Monday. And I have been up since Sunday morning at 8 a.m. And I stayed up all night working on content, put out the Monday episode. Here we are. I wanted to get this out before Tuesday. And I walked away from episode seven of Tom Brady's Man in the Arena. It's called Surrender. I walked away feeling inspired and remembering a lot of who I am, I think, as a human being. And that's what I want to talk about. So Tom Brady starts by talking about these things, the four agreements. Don't take things personally. Don't make assumptions. Do your best. And be impeccable with your word. I don't know what all that stuff means. It's some book that Tom Brady read. But the one that really stands out to me is do your best. And... Tom, for this episode, had – he's had characters in every episode. You know, in episode six, it was Vince Wilfork and Richard Sherman. In this episode, it was his three sisters, Maureen, Julie, and Nancy. Tom is the youngest of four children, and he's got three older sisters. And I want to skip ahead to the end of the episode. His sister said something. She said, Tom Brady is – Unlike anyone I've ever met. He said, she said, my brother's unlike anyone I've ever met. She said, he lives his life to be the best at something. And I find that really inspiring. I think I, I, I used to pursue that. And, you know, there's this thing. <sighs> Tom Brady talks about how, like, all you can do is your best. And who cares what anyone else thinks about you as long as you can look in the mirror and are really pursuing the very best you can be and doing the very best you can. And, you know, Tom was talking at the end of this episode about how, like, I know I can do better. And I, I know personally in my life, like, it's, it's a, it's a never-ending pursuit to do, quote, better. Because you can always do better. But I, I don't know if anyone else has ever looked in the mirror and felt like, you know, I, I really could have given more effort. And that, that's what I walked away from with this episode. This is, of course, the story of him coming back from a 28-3 to deficit in the Super Bowl. And I just wanted to start with that because I, I really was so... 
I just walked away from this episode hype. Like, yeah, I'm really kind of turning a corner in my life. I think in the last two years of my life have been very weird and I've been distracted and I've been pulled off on different things and different things became a priority in my life uh, above my work. And I, I think I was really depressed when that was happening because truly like my work is my favorite thing on the planet. The same way I think, I actually wonder if Tom Brady, when he does eventually retire, I wonder if he's going to be depressed because I, I remember when I quit football, there was definitely a, a long period of time where like, well, what do I put all my energy into? And, and thank God I had strong opinion in sports. I, I actually shifted my quarterback career directly into making podcasts and making content. And I just think it would be really disingenuous to talk about this episode without sharing that, you know, I, I try to use the lessons I learned as a quarterback in my everyday life as a podcast host and as a content creator and as a YouTuber. And, you know, I really think the best thing, if you're just a regular person, I'm not a football player. Like, look at me. I'm not an NFL quarterback. But every single human being can learn from Tom Brady and learn life lessons and learn about work ethic. And there are things you can use in your life, no matter what job you have, whether you are, I remember I, I was a car washer. I literally washed cars 12 hours a day, six days a week at one point in my life. And hey, it was also a five-hour shift on Sunday, right? Or I was a cameraman or I was in college or I played quarterback or I've done a lot of different roles in my life, and, and this is the one I do now and hopefully will do for the rest of my life is making content. But the lessons you learn in football can always be used, and you don't even have to play football to learn them. you got to pay attention to athletes because athletes, people like Tom Brady that are immensely successful, when they share some of the knowledge and the nuggets they have, listen, because you really can learn a lot. Now, this episode – Largely centered at the beginning around Deflategate and what Tom Brady did during Deflategate. And I want to point out something. I have never, ever really understood. So I understand why people came down hard on Tom Brady for Deflategate. A lot of it, I think, is people don't like him. And I, as a human species, I don't understand it, but I, I do recognize people really like to tear people down. I don't know why that is, but when we see someone that's successful— I think it's an ego thing. I don't know what. People really don't like to acknowledge when someone's great. We like to poke holes in them and go, oh, but this. Oh, but that. And when people found out about Tom Brady, quote, unquote, deflating footballs, they're like, ah, we found the reason. He's not great because he works really hard. He's not great because he's obsessed with football. He's great because he's cheating. And I think people like that story better than acknowledging that someone works really hard. Because let me tell you what. I don't, I don't know about you guys. When I think about my work ethic and then I think about Tom Brady, I feel like dog shit. I'm like, fuck, fuck. That dude's out there working his ass off right now and I'm watching Justified. What do you think Tom – like any, has anyone ever had that thought in their life where you're like, what is Tom Brady doing right now? I sometimes think about that and I go, he's either sleeping or – or training or watching film. Probably watching film. Like, actually, most of your day, if you're awake, you're like, hey, Tom Brady's either watching film or practicing. And I'm not even kidding. And I just want to encourage anyone, if you ever are struggling with motivation, think about that. Think about – and it's weird. Like, I feel like I'm talking about Tom Brady like he's this rock star level, you know, like a, a Jesus-like figure in the world. But, man, I, if that's what it takes to motivate you, because that motivates me, that challenge of what's Tom Brady doing right now? And do I want to be great like Tom Brady or do I want to be like, I don't know, Johnny Manziel, Mitchell Trubisky? I don't want to be a Mitchell Trubisky. I want to be like Tom Brady, the, the greatest of all time, the guy who's immensely successful. And so 
Um, whatever motivates you, that's great. But that to me, that thought, what's Tom Brady doing right now? That really, really motivates me. Now, here's what I here are my gripes with the Deflate Gate scandal. So Tom Brady got accused of deflating footballs, and there are so many problems. Number one, have you ever heard of the ideal gas law? There's a great video of a, of a professor breaking down what the ideal gas law is. Here it is in a nutshell. When you have a football inflated in a warm temperature and then take that football into a cold temperature, maybe, hey, 70 degrees inside a building, 32 degrees outside, that football loses PSI. It loses air pressure because of the ga- the ideal gas law. It literally – the so um, that's more than likely what happened with the footballs is that you had a football that got pumped up in a warm locker room, then taken outside. The PSI got checked. Oh, that's underinflated. Well, no, it's ideal gas law. And he, that professor literally said, you know, we jumped to the conclusion of Tom Brady's cheating rather than ideal gas law. And, and also, it's kind of a microcosm of our society. We love to ignore facts when they go against what we like to believe. Because everyone believes something that comforts them. I don't care whether you're religious or whatever your, th- whatever your thing is, whatever couple things you believe. I think people tend to believe stuff in life that they are comforted by. The other thing I really hate about Deflategate is that <laughs> deflated football or not, you still have to perform at the quarterback position. Pick any random human on the street. Give them a deflated football and put them at the quarterback position in the NFL. They ain't doing shit. They're going to be horrible. Put any high school quarterback, any college quarterback, put them at quarterback for the New England Patriots and give them a deflated football and ask them if they do well. They're not going to do well because playing quarterback is about so much more than the PSI on a football. It's about your footwork. It's about your poise. It's about handling pressure in your face. It's about stepping into hits. And it's mostly about reading a defense. Like, who, who cares if the ball is deflated if you can't read the defense and throw the ball to the wrong spot? If Tom Brady was terrible and the footballs were deflated, literally nobody would care. So, and also, here's, here's the other thing. I think throwing a deflated football, which is a football that's not fully pumped up, is actually harder. I spin the ball a lot out of my hand. My hand does a lot of work to like, and go watch Aaron Rodgers. He literally spins the ball. The ball does literally doesn't spin out of your hand very well when it's not fully inflated. When the ball, when you grab a ball and it squishes down a little bit, I find that harder to throw. That might just be me, but if you're not, if you're like, if you're really spinning the football off of your hand, an underinflated football is actually harder to throw. So those are all the reasons why I uh, really I, I've never under I've never liked the arguments against Tom Brady when it came to Deflate Gate. Never really made sense to me, other than the fact that people just probably like to hate on Tom Brady because we like to hate on everybody. Anybody who ever succeeds, there's going to be a group of people that go, "Fuck that guy." And I, I I actually now that I think about it out loud, it's probably because giving credit uh, and it, it, it makes uh, – I think we're so competitive naturally as human beings that giving credit to another person for their work ethic, for what they do, it's kind of a challenge. Like I said, if you think about what's Tom Brady doing right now, he's probably working. And if you don't want to work, then you're like, ah, fuck Tom Brady. I don't want to work, and it makes you feel bad about yourself, so it's easier to call him a cheater. His sister also said something I really like. She said that 
Tom Brady is a great ambassador to the game of football, and I, I could not agree more. Um, and I, I, I also, man, you can hate Tom Brady. That's fine, especially hey, Jets fans, Bills fans. I understand it's been years and years and years of pain. So if Tom Brady beat up on your football team for years, no problem, right? Hating him is one thing, but not respecting him is another. You can say, like, I hate when Tom Brady plays my football team because he always beats us. But I think everyone, literally everyone, should respect Tom Brady. Even, like, um, I think some of the most successful people in the world. I, I can even understand arguments for hating Jeff Bezos, right? Like, totally, right? If you... He's, I think, could solve a lot of the world's problems if he spent his money a little bit differently rather than going to space. And that, that's, you know, that's not the debate I want to have here. But who is Tom Brady hurting by being an amazing quarterback? I think all he's doing is giving positive to the world. And unless you're a Bills or a Jets fan, he's not hurting anybody. <laughs> I love that. Poor Jets fans. Um, so right before this year, a couple things happened. First of all, Tom Brady got a four-game suspension for deflated footballs he also was going through a lot his his mom was going through chemotherapy she was very sick and so during Tom Brady's four-game suspension he did a couple things he went to Costa Rica he went to a college football game at Michigan his alma mater he took his young son Jack and Tom Brady said like yeah that's the first time I've been to a college game since I played in college and I mean yeah he's been really busy kind of playing in the NFL ever since then and he went to the Amalfi Coast with his wife and these two things, whether, you know, it's his mom going through chemotherapy and then the pain of it kind of public shame, him getting punished, a four-game suspension. He says something at the end of this episode, FEA, it's an FEA year, a fuck em all year. Fuck them all. That's kind of his attitude. Hey, okay, people don't like me. And he said something like that I thought was kind of weird. He said, if you're explaining, you're losing. And I don't really agree with that because I like to plead my case. And I'm, if I ever get into like hot water right on YouTube and there's some big scandal, you bet your sweet ass I'm going to make a video saying, here's what happened. Here's my perspective. And I'm going to tell you what I was thinking and be totally open and honest. And then you allow the audience to choose. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat myself. I'm going to be like a lawyer and defend myself. Here's what happened from my perspective, and you can be the judge. And I'll probably only do it once. But the fact that Tom Brady said, I don't need to defend myself at all, is, is kind of crazy to me. Because I would be like, dude, I de- I, if I was Tom Brady, I'd be like, ideal gas law. Ideal gas. I'd be like uh, that video, Charlie Day, that meme of him with like all the, the – <laughs> where he's on a wall. And it's got all these strings pointing in all these different directions. I'd be like Charlie Day going, ideal gas law, deflated footballs, reading defenses. I know it would make sense to me. Um, I wouldn't make sense to anyone, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Now, so this is the story of him coming back from down 28-3 to in the Super Bowl. And early on in the episode, it, it was very much glossed over. One of his sisters said something about Giselle Howe. Giselle has an attitude, Giselle Bunchen, his wife, Tom Brady's wife, has an attitude of instead of saying, why is this happening to me? Giselle says, why is this happening for me? How can I use this adversity as an opportunity to get better or grow? Or it's not a defeatist attitude. Giselle has an attitude of a fighter. And to me, that's a winner's mentality. I have been around people who... When bad stuff happens, they handle it very badly. They cower down and they allow it to they, – they have a totally defeatist attitude. And those people are horrible to be around. It's not fun. I, I've spent way too much time with people like that. It's, it's not fun. And 
to be down 28 to three and keep fighting and still having hope is something really special. And, and I, I want to tell a story about this Super Bowl. Falcons, Patriots, it is February, I believe February 5th, 2017. Fifth or sixth, I don't remember. But I know it was a year after my brother died, almost to the day. And my brother committed suicide, so a year before this Super Bowl. And I was, dude, I was not in a good place in life at all. And I don't know if it was because I was delusional and had already been through a lot of pain emotionally and, like, I can't handle more loss and suffering or what. But when Tom Brady was down 28-3, to I was at a Super Bowl party with my best friend's family. Every person in the room hated Tom Brady and was rooting for Atlanta. And I was like, I, I can't handle this. Fuck all these people. You know, fuck them all. FEA, right? I was like, I can't. I, I love Tom Brady. I'm heartbroken right now that this team is down. And also, I believe he's going to come back. And again, that could have been either I'm crazy or rational, but I just, I refuse to believe that Tom Brady was going to keel over and die and give up. And so I went to another Super Bowl party where there were people actually that wanted New England to win and were rooting. For, and I was much happier in that environment. It was great for me. I was like, oh, my people. Yeah. You want Tom to win too? You believe they can win too? And it was I, I, the rest. I went there at halftime. So the second half of that game was way better. I remember feeling just awesome. And, and as it built and built and Tom Brady made a comeback and a comeback and it was, you know, they were down 20 to 12 and it's a two score game and then, oh, they need a two point conversion and it happened and. This episode didn't really tell the story very well, in my opinion, because, like, I really wanted Julian Edelman to be in this episode to talk about that crazy catch he made. And instead, it was his family. And that's a very deliberate choice that I, I don't fully know what it is, but I can only speculate that what Tom Brady was doing there was he wanted his sisters to be the other characters of this episode because he wanted to tell the story from a family perspective. This was a hard year, and it was about his family supporting him and them all coming together. And I can only imagine that's why, because I, I, I would have loved to have Julian Edelman talk about that crazy catch he made. Um, but I, uh, I I guess this was him wanting to share this moment and this story with his family, which is interesting and cool. And um, I, I just, you know, I really, really walked away from this episode very inspired. And I'll never forget the feeling of, no matter what side you were rooting for, whether you were rooting for Atlanta or New England, this was a very exciting, tense, and fun Super Bowl. The Patriots and the Falcons, where I'll never forget the tension in my throat, where, you know, it's 26 to 28. Tom Brady's going for two, trying to tie the game up so they have a chance to win. No matter whether you're rooting for Atlanta or New England that moment, everyone held their breath and had this like tense, guttural feeling. And that's one of those moments that is a shared experience that the whole world watching had. That is rare. That kind of moment where, let's be real, you know, Monday Night Football tonight, Steelers, Browns, <laughs> nothing in that game can live up to that moment. No matter what happens. I'm not going to be as invested. It's not going to be as epic of a moment to have that kind of moment in the Super Bowl, a crazy comeback like that where it's so much tension, everything rides on this one play. That to me is what football is all about when you don't know who's going to win and it's all up in the air. Like uh, at the end of a game, to me, like that's what the Rose Bowl was this year. And that's what I love about sports is that moment of uncertainty where you're like, are they going to win? Is a team that I really want to win, that I'm emotionally invested in, going to pull it off? And uh, so I, I want to end, you know, end this segment about episode seven with – 
it's it's really beautiful how Tom's family supports him and I I almost was brought to tears the way his family talked about him and with the reverence and respect and it's clear they all admire him and his work ethic and who he is and um I I think I think I've always wanted that from my family. I think my family um there's only a couple people in my family who understand what I do and that I, I pull all nighters all the time. And I think some people think I'm aloof or weird or, you know, it's like, no, I, I really work all the time. And I think sometimes it would be nice for the people that, um, and, and maybe it goes to show they don't know me very well, but I, there, there have been people in my family who have not understood. And, and I think even think I'm like crazy or fucked up or, you know, um, like, damaged or something and they mistake my drive and and desire to succeed and and make it and have a great show that i'm really proud of and they mistake my drive for like some kind of disorder like it what maybe bipolar or something right i don't know what it is it's like no i i i stay up all night not because i'm crazy because i fucking love my job and i like working and it i nothing is more satisfying on the planet than getting out an episode on Monday when football happened on Sunday. Do you know how hard it is to watch as many games as I watch and track them all and follow the narratives and try to turn out content on Monday morning about those games? It is the hardest thing on the planet. And today was a Monday where I did it, and I've been trying to do that for, fuck, months and months and months. And today was one of the first times in all of football season that I finally did it. And you know what it's going to take is Sunday nights I'm not going to sleep, and that's okay. And I don't really want people nagging me or telling me, like, fucking go to bed. No, no, no. Sunday nights are the night where I don't sleep until the show is out, and that's okay. And um, if you're watching and you're cringing, like, understand, that excites me. Like, that that's what it takes, and that's me knowing I'm putting out my very best. And that's, I think, what Tom Brady's entire career is, about him looking in the mirror and saying, like, I really did everything I could to succeed. And when you know you gave it everything you possibly had, there there really is no better feeling in the world. And uh, I, I just mean, like, for me, Mondays, right? That, that, that moment on a Monday, that challenge of can you get out football content, an episode of Strong Opinion Sports on a Monday about football that happened on Sunday? <laughs> and when you do it, there, there really is no better feeling on the planet. I don't I think I have anything else to talk about for episode seven, but uh, it was fun and very, very inspiring. And uh, that it kind of really reinvigorated my love for my job and football. And this episode was exactly what I needed at this time in my life. Now, Man in the Arena episode six. Um, the subtitle was Stop the Bleeding. It had Richard Sherman in it, Vince Wilfork in it. And it's a story of the Patriots lose, uh, I guess winning, winning the Super Bowl against the Seattle Seahawks on that last second play where Malcolm Butler made a catch at the end of the play, at the end of the game. And here's why I didn't like this episode. There's been a couple moments where it felt like Tom was, I think, a little bit disingenuine and the, the... the docuseries was kind of fluffy, meaning like it wasn't very hard hitting and I felt like Tom was holding back. For example, when 
Tom Brady talks about the Patriots drafting Jimmy Garoppolo in the second round. He made it seem like, oh, it's all good, sunshine and rainbows, and I was so happy to meet Jimmy Garoppolo, and I'm like, bullshit. No way. I don't buy that. Like, hey, you might have been nice to Jimmy Garoppolo. You might have been welcoming to Jimmy Garoppolo when he got drafted by the Patriots. But don't fucking act like you weren't bothered or you were happy. And, you know, I, I didn't make an episode last week partially because I, like, I, I, I actually I interviewed the, the director, uh, the CEO of Religion and Sports who made this documentary. And I was, like, having a hard time. Like, do I really come out and just bash their directing and their – and I'm like, ah, fuck it, right? Like, I don't, I don't owe them anything. And I, I felt like this episode was kind of fake. Episode six, I'm like, okay, deflate gate. Tom Brady felt dishonest. And no one asked him, hey, what happened to the cell phone? Tom Brady destroyed his cell phone when Deflategate happened. And by the way, I think Tom Brady was innocent during Deflategate. But the fact that he still feels the need to, like, not be honest about Yeah, I destroyed my cell phone because I was afraid. I was, I was afraid. That's – can we – is that – and I – for whatever reason, and I, probably because it's bad PR and it would admit guilt or whatever, he can't say that. But it's like, why did uh, the ball boy get fired by the Patriots? What happened there? Like, there, I have all these questions, and, you know, I – or even the way that the, the, the play was – so at the end of the Seattle Seahawks Super Bowl, where the Patriots won, Seattle hit this crazy long throw to Jermaine Curse, and it went down to the two-yard line, and instead of running the ball with Marshawn Lynch, they threw the ball on, on the goal line. Malcolm Butler had a crazy interception, and the fact that Malcolm Butler was in the episode and that – I felt like the series didn't appreciate that interception for being the reason why they won the Super Bowl. I felt like Tom was kind of like, they glossed over like, hey, uh, if Tom Brady doesn't win that Super Bowl and he also lost to the Giants and if he lost, like Tom Brady's been very close to losing a lot of Super Bowls and it comes down to those little plays and I felt like that play, that interception by Malcolm Butler, like wasn't given the shine it deserved and that felt weird to me. Episode six was, I thought, the worst episode of the series because it felt fluffy. It felt like things were glossed over. And in fact, episode seven dove way more into Deflategate than I thought episode six did. And I felt like episode six should have gone there, and it didn't. So I wasn't a big fan. Now, Tom said some good stuff here, too. Um, You know, for example, when when the Patriots did draft Jimmy Garoppolo, people were starting to say, like, what happens if Tom isn't in New England? And Tom talked about how, hey, like— even though my body was getting older, I felt like I was aging differently than other people because I was maturing as a leader, getting better as a, as a decision maker. I was developing in places that were different than just my physical ability. And, and Vince Wilford gave a great quote in this episode, episode six, where he said, if anyone's going to take my job, they're, they deserve it because they're going to have to take it from me. They're going to have to beat me. I like that. Like, that's a great attitude. Hey, if you're going to take my job as starting quarterback or starting defensive tackle, whatever, you got to beat me outright, and I'm going to fight, scratch, and claw and do the very best I can. And, you know, Tom also said, I loved this, when when the Patriots started 2-2 two and two, the year they beat the Seattle Seahawks in the Super Bowl. The media was starting to say this is the beginning of the end of Tom Brady and the Patriots. They drafted Jimmy Garoppolo, and they're losing, and they're 2-2, two and two, and... And they had this really bad loss to Kansas City. And Tom gave this quote that I love in this, this episode. He said, he felt like people were excited to 
tell the story that things were turning south in New England with Brady and Belichick and the relationship. And like they'd been on top for so long and they told all these stories about how great they are. And they were kind of getting sick of and bored of them winning so much. And that year is where we got that quote from Belichick on to Cincinnati. Now, uh, uh, I also really like Vince Wilfork was talking about himself as a leader in the locker room. And he said that because Tom Brady never had to make a tackle, some guys could write him off. And Vince felt like he was listened to more in the locker room at times than Tom because of he's a, he's a bad motherfucker who tackles people. And he's a defensive tackle doing the dirty work and the gritty work. And it's also funny how the media in, in the Seattle Seahawks Super Bowl year when they started two and two, it was doomsday. And as they started winning, the media took a massive shift. And I want to say, like, I've learned in, in my time watching Tom Brady and being a, a, a blatant Tom Brady fan. Never count out Tom Brady. If anything, the Atlanta Falcons Super Bowl taught us that. The fact that he is as old as he is leading the NFL in, like, every statistical category. The fact that he came back from a deficit of 28-3. to three. Like, I would rather be the person who believes in Tom Brady for too long then it's quick to pull the trigger and doubt him. It just, that's not how I want to live my life, tearing people down. And until Tom Brady shows us like truly that he fails, I'm not ready to ever stop believing in Tom Brady. And he's already gone above and beyond every expectation he possibly can have. And uh, I don't know. Um, I, I also thought it was weird, like the feud between Richard Sherman and um, Tom Brady and how they, they told the story of that. I didn't really care about that. It was also interesting that this was filmed, episode six was filmed way before Richard Sherman and Tom Brady eventually would become teammates in Tampa this year. So that's kind of a fun thought that uh, they talked all about that. But I, I really felt like we didn't hear the truth about Deflategate, Jimmy Garoppolo, the truth about you know how he felt about Peyton Manning leaving Indianapolis and not getting the respect he deserves and... I, I don't know. I, I felt like episode six was a, an episode where because he talks about Peyton Manning leaving Indianapolis and the team wasn't very supportive of him and they discarded him. And he, then he went to Denver and killed it and broke all these records. And Tom Brady did that interview after going to Tampa and winning a Super Bowl. And I felt like he was talking about himself indirectly and, and wasn't leaning into it. And I just felt like this entire episode is very guarded. And it was Tom not sharing as much as he could have. And it was nice because we got this Marvel-style teaser at the end of episode six where he did share, like, a little bit about, hey, we're going to talk more about Deflategate in the next episode, which they did. Uh, there's one thing I wanted to talk about that I really liked. It was actually from episode seven. It was where Tom Brady talked about I'm, – I'm trying to find it in my notes. Um, oh, it, it was Tom Brady talking about how he wants to inspire with his actions and – I love that. I feel like recently I've been saying a lot rather than doing a lot. And I I think for most of my career leading up to the last maybe year, year and a half, I was leading with my actions and letting what I was producing and the podcast I was making and the, the prolific nature and how the frequency of it, I was letting that speak for my work ethic rather than telling you I work hard. And... I I think I got away from that, and it's been a weird year, and I I'm I'm really excited to um to to do more, 
then talk about doing more, if that makes sense. And, and there's nothing more powerful than showing people with your actions than telling them with words. And I really like that. And I, I just thought that um, that was awesome. And, and, and by the way, if Tom Brady lost in the Super Bowl to Seattle, if they run the ball four straight plays in a row, get a touch on Marshawn Lynch, and then they lose that 28-3 to Super Bowl, Tom Brady would very easily be 5-5 five and five in Super Bowls rather than 7-3. and three. Can you imagine that? What if Tom Brady was 5-5, five and five, five wins, five losses in the Super Bowl rather than seven wins, three losses? Interesting thought. And Vince Wilford, by the way, he did really say and went out there just straight up and said, I would have ran the ball with Marshawn Lynch four plays in a row. And I think he's right. I think he would have scored a touchdown and won the game. I cannot believe to this day – I will never understand why Seattle threw the ball on the goal line when they had Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. It's the most baffling decision. It's one of the like historically worst calls in NFL history, actually, like that will always be a massive blunder and that we will always look back on. And I didn't watch that show. Ah, what was it? It was like the league, I think. I think it was the league where it's Marshawn Lynch at the beach with one of these guys from the maybe Entourage and – I think it was the league. I, I've never watched either of those shows, but and, and maybe I should. But anyway, um, this guy goes, hey, Marshawn, can you pass me a beer? And he goes, just toss it. And Marshawn walks it over him and says, I would, I would rather, I'd rather walk it over. I'd rather, I'd rather run it over. I don't want to throw it or something like that. There was, look it up on YouTube. It's a really funny joke. I feel like it totally ruined it. <laughs> uh, I don't know much more to add. I'm excited for episode eight because it's going to be about, I believe, the Nick Foles Super Bowl where they lost to Nick Foles. Yeah, because it's Nick Foles, they lost to the Eagles, then they beat the Rams, and then the episode I am most excited for on the entire planet in this series, the man in the arena, is episode 10, where Tom Brady talks about winning a Super Bowl without Bill Belichick in Tampa, and hopefully we hear a lot of it insight in why he chose Tampa and the thought process of leaving, and... um. Hopefully it's not like episode six where I feel like it holds back a lot. And I don't know. I think you can you can share authentically without bashing other people. And I just I fear that Tom Brady's gonna not talk about how why he chose Tampa and why he left New England and why he was excited to leave. And he's gonna be, I think, overly respectful when you can you can share why you left without being disrespectful to Bill Belichick. And I don't know. I, I hope I hope that it's authentic and not guarded and safe. That's all I'm asking for. Um, and, and are we ever, ever going to fucking hear from Julian Edelman? Because Julian Edelman, uh, and maybe it's the Rams Super Bowl, I don't know, but he better make an appearance in this series. I would be completely shocked. I, I thought Malcolm Butler was going to make an appearance. He didn't. I thought Julian Edelman was going to make an appearance in the Falcons Super Bowl episode. We didn't get that. Maybe he'll make an, an appearance in the Rams Super Bowl. I'm still holding out hope. Uh, now, it is a pipe dream. It's not going to happen, but I'd love to see Bill Belichick talk about Tom Brady. How, how amazing would that be to have Bill Belichick just sharing his love and respect for Tom Brady, which I, I know it's there. And, and Bill Belichick is a way more cool and exciting and energetic, fun dude than he will ever allow the media to see in press conferences after games and stuff. But um, whether that's this content or his content in the future, or maybe when they both retire, I don't know. But I, I really someday want to hear Bill Belichick talk candidly and openly about Tom Brady. And uh, other than, like, obviously the, the dumb answers at a press conference or something. So um, I look forward to that. Guys, I don't want to waste your time. I, I feel like I have nothing else to add here. But I, uh, 
I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to me talk about um, Man in the Arena, a, a series I, I, I like. I didn't like episode six, which was weird, but episode seven like almost brought me to tears and made me feel very inspired. And I hope you enjoyed listening to me talk about it. I love you. I appreciate you. Ba-dum-bum. Bam. We are done.